The Chicago Bears have to be ready for the Minnesota Vikings blitz. But if they can pick that up and shut down a Minnesota Vikings offense without Justin Jefferson, there should be a fairly easy path to victory from there on out. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use promo code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. On the show today, we put together a game plan for a Chicago Bears victory over the Minnesota Vikings. We'll start with the defensive plan of attack from Brian Flores against Justin Fields and how Luke Getze needs to counteract what will be a blitz-heavy day from this Vikings defense, but the Bears have already faced that a couple of times this season. Then we'll turn our attention to what Matt Eberflus's defense needs to do against a Vikings offense that doesn't have Justin Jefferson, but does still have some weapons in TJ Hawkinson and rookie wide receiver Jordan Addison and even running back Alexander Madison to, to some extent. You can't overlook Kirk Cousins in that equation at all. And we'll wrap up looking at both the injury report, some encouraging signs for the Chicago Bears, as well as some of the key matchups, the one-on-ones that the Bears need to win in order for this team to win the game. But I think the big story, sort of the big sides of the ball matchup, it's kind of like it's Justin Fields versus Brian Flores, a quarterback versus a defensive coordinator. And obviously it's never that simple because, you know, the defensive coordinator is blitzing and he's going to blitz a lot. And so those blitzers are part of the equation. They have to do an effective job of blitzing and beating blockers and all that sort of stuff. And certainly the Bears offensive line and the tight ends and running backs that stay in the pass protect, they're also a big part of this equation and being able to pick up the blitz and block for Justin Fields. But some of this is also also like a mental thing and a processing thing for Fields that when the defense is blitzing, it speeds, it needs to speed up your brain and your processing, your decision-making. You don't have time to hesitate. You don't have time to, oh, should I throw this route? No, I'll go to the next one. Oh, should I throw that route? No, I shouldn't go to the next one. Like, yes, you can go through a progression and there's still time to go through a progression, but there's not time to hesitate and not pull the trigger when it's open, the way we saw Justin Fields struggle with earlier in the season, but not struggle with nearly as much in the last couple of games. Now, the last couple of games have not been as blitz-heavy as we saw Todd Bowles in Week 2, and to a lesser extent, Steve Spagnuolo in Week 3 against the Chiefs, but Brian Flores is going to blitz. He runs the highest rate of coverage zero, where there's just man-to-man coverage across the board and everyone else is blitzing. The highest rate of that of any defensive coordinator and defense in the NFL. They're going to blitz fields a lot. It's going to come from different places. Sometimes it'll be zone blitzes too, but a lot of man-to-man blitzing, which on one hand speeds up fields and puts a lot of pressure on him to step up and deliver some throws. On the other hand, it sure, it sure simplifies sometimes some of what you're going to see on the back end. When you know it's man coverage across the board because six pass rushers are coming your way, 
Fields doesn't have to guess necessarily, is there going to be a safety or a zone player somewhere that I'm not anticipating, right? I see the coverage and where everyone's going to be, and I know my routes then, and I know who's going to beat man coverage on this player, who I can trust to beat man coverage, and I can throw it to a spot and trust that my receiver is going to run to that spot, and the only person that's going to be running with him is the guy in man coverage. So you have to build in plays from a game plan standpoint of both like designed hot reads, where if the blitz comes, you have an option, but also plays where if the blitz comes, DJ Moore is running a route that can get him open quickly, that you can trust to throw it up to him because I think he's going to be the key to this. Brian Flores and company are not going to let Justin Fields hold on to the ball all that long and let some of these plays develop downfield for some of these deep shots. You can still find ways to build deep shots into that, you know, by leaving in extra protectors, play action, maybe moving the pocket on some of those plays, but some of it will need to be quicker. And we saw against the Commanders, the Bears got some quicker deep shots in there. You know, quick double moves from DJ Moore where Fields just kind of floats it then and doesn't need three and a half seconds in the pocket to let that play develop because it's a quick step to the inside on a fake slant and then break up the sideline and you can throw it to DJ Moore in two and a half seconds. Like you can still work that into this game plan. It just needs to be intentional and prepared for the blitz. I think we're going to see a lot of Mercedes Lewis once again staying in as a blocker at the tight end spot. I think we're going to see more 12 personnel, two tight, two tight end offense in general in this game, just so that you, you have the option to make them blockers in the pocket or have them, you know, you can check that at the line of scrimmage and give you some flexibility there. And I'm curious how the split goes for Dante Foreman and Darrington Evans on passing downs, because Foreman was not a guy who did a lot of passing downs in Carolina either. So does Evans come in and be uh, in his first game back in Chicago? You know, you're, you're passing down back who's maybe a better blocker. We'll see. Or does Kari Blasen game? play on some third downs just to be more of a blocker in that situation. I think the Bears have some different options there. But if you can, you know, get some control over the blitz, right? It's not about stonewalling it every time. It's not about having it perfectly blocked every time, but always having an answer for it. Sometimes that answer is just throwing quickly. Sometimes that answer is trying to block it up perfectly, right? There's different answers and you need to have different varieties for it because you can't just leave blockers in all the time or else you're not going to have enough receivers running routes and defenses can kind of slow you down offensively. Also running the ball can be effective for that too. Not getting in these third and long or these long passing down and distance situations where it becomes easier to blitz because you don't have to worry about the run. So guys can go all out, all out after the quarterback and make some things happen. You've seen Luke Getze try and go to more screen passes against these types of defenses. I'm nervous about that given the screen passes we've seen so far this season, but I think you'll see some of that sprinkled in just a little bit more in this game. But I think there's a path here, right? Like they've seen some blitz heavy defenses and you know, the blitz hasn't completely overwhelmed them, especially as the offensive line is now healthier with Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis closer to 100% playing a little better. Obviously, Borum at left tackle is a, a concern, but you have, a, I think, more consistency across the board on the offensive line, more confidence in the offense so that this is something they've prepared for already this season against other teams. But now you're executing at a higher level and can do the things you were trying to do in those games, but couldn't quite do effectively enough against the Bucks and the Chiefs. Maybe the Vikings offer offer either a slightly easier defensive opponent or more likely just a Bears team that's on the same page a bit more and I think playing smarter and being coached a little bit better in terms of play calling at this stage of the process too. So you're going to need to keep up with Minnesota in this case, especially if the weather plays a factor in this game. But certainly defensively, you got to make sure that a Vikings offense without Justin Jefferson doesn't start still putting up points on you. They're missing their top receiver who runs that whole offense you can't let them find other ways to be successful in this game. You should be able to match up all right with that offense. We'll take a look at what Matt Eberflus's defense needs to do before we get into some of the injury report and matchup questions later on. Next.
on Locked On Bears. The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical, the makers of the Jace Case. Now, the Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians, and you can get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions with doctor recommendations. It's super handy. They give you this case full of life-saving antibiotics that you can have on hand in case of an emergency, in case you're sick and there's a supply chain shortage and you can't get the medication that you want. Are you sick and you really don't feel up to going to the doctor, but you need to feel better? You don't feel up to going and picking up a prescription somewhere else, you've got your Jace medical case on hand at all times. It's about being empowered to care for yourselves in case of the unexpected. Right now, you can get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics from Jace Medical by using our promo code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code Locked On. It's easy to look at this Minnesota Vikings offense without Justin Jefferson and say, oh, no problem. They got nothing. They'll be totally useless. And the Bears defense, although we know that they've struggled this season, should be in a good position to not have too much trouble with the Vikings. And I think there's some truth to that, but it's not that simple. The Vikings do have other players. It's a question of how good those other players actually are when Justin Jefferson isn't out there taking all the attention away from them. Like they drafted Jordan Addison in the first round this year, the rookie out of USC. And there's a lot to like about Addison. I mean, I liked him as a prospect coming out, maybe not at the top of the draft where the bears were, but as a late first round guy, you know, he certainly has a lot of upside there and has shown flashes of it this season. He's a guy who can make some plays. He's got, what is it? 19 catches for 249 yards, averaging 13, almost 14 yards a clip there, 50 yards a game. Like that's not nothing. He's not a number one. He's not Justin Jefferson, but you know, he's doing all right. And KJ Osborne is their, their number three. He's he occasionally will flash here and there. And then I think I'm most worried about TJ Hawkinson, their tight end who they traded for from the Detroit lions last season. We've seen him be a thousand yard tight end. Well, 900 yards was what he finished with last season, but we've seen him be a difference maker at the tight end position. And to me, it's like, I want to make these Vikings receivers beat me beat my cornerbacks one-on-one, especially as the Chicago Bears secondary gets healthier. We'll go through the injury report in just a little bit here with a couple of questions about who's going to be able to go, but we know for sure Jalen Johnson has come out and said, I am playing on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. And so I'm putting, I'm not saying I'm going to have like shadow coverage across the field, but I'm fine with both Stevenson or Jalen Johnson on Jordan Addison, get up on the line of scrimmage, press him, be physical with him. He's not a, he's not a, big, strong receiver. He's not tiny in terms of his height. I mean, he's 5'11", but he's listed at 175. Like, he's not a thick, strong, big-bodied wide receiver. In the same sense, we're like, DJ Moore is not seven, you know, 6'5". He is, he's, he, I think he's, what, listed at 6'5", but he's 210, right? So he's he's got some bulk. He's hard to jam. He's hard to out-physical for the ball. Jordan Addison is... Frail feels like too strong of a word. He's a professional athlete. Like none of these guys are frail, but compared to other NFL wide receivers, like he's on the leaner, lighter end. And so get physical with him and make him beat you. Make him blow by your cornerback. Make him win his release at the line of scrimmage and beat you downfield because I don't trust that he can do that consistently enough 
for this Vikings offense to be able to rely on him in, in, in a much bigger role than that. K.J. Osborne in the slot has always been a sure, a, a, a decent, you know, number three type wide receiver at times, number two. I mean, he's had 600 yards a couple seasons. He's not, he's not nobody, but he's just not a, I haven't seen him be like a dynamic game-changing playmaker. Like, I'm not, I'm not worried about like him, you know, smoking your corner downfield, you know, and, and just out, you know, being bigger, faster, stronger, better route runner than you. No. Could you have a, a coverage bust? Like you can't just pay zero attention to him, right? You gotta, you gotta be there with him. But I don't think he's individually gonna be the one that smokes you. Like if anything, it would need to be the scheme, the, the route concepts, the game plan from Kevin O'Connell that like puts these guys in position to beat you. But it's not gonna be the guys themselves putting them in the position to beat you. The one asterisk there is T.J. Hawkinson for me because I feel like he is a guy who he can just be big, fast, and strong and, and outrun TJ Edwards up the seam or out physical Jaquan Brisker at the catch point. Or if Elijah Hicks has to start, I don't like that matchup there one-on-one with however they get TJ Hawkinson lined up, especially just because we've seen this Bears defense over the course of the season struggle with, you know, the intermediate to deep middle of the field. Those deep crossing routes, the deep dig routes, the post routes, working that back end middle of the field, like between the linebackers and the safeties and that kind of range has been a problem this year. And I'm scared of TJ Hawkinson going into that area and just eating all day and having a Travis Kelsey kind of game where you just don't really have a good answer for him and he can work you up and down the field. And that can be enough if they can get the running game going with Alexander Madison, who again, doesn't scare me as a dynamic playmaker per se, but he can, he'll, he'll take what the offensive line can give him. Like you got to be stout up front still to stop this Vikings running game. It's not like they're absolutely useless, you know, with, with Madison in there. Like they've, they've been a, a fine rushing team. He'll break a couple of tackles here and there, but he's not a guy who's, you know, breaking away for a bunch of huge runs, but he can have some, I mean, he's had two runs of more than 15 yards this year. He had a 15 yard run and a 17 yard run. That's, that's about it. Like he's, he's taken what's there and he's not given much more. So if I'm the bears defense, right, I want to load up and stop the run. And I'm, I'm kind of saying, keep eyes on Hawkinson, you know, linebackers and safety kind of double team him when he's over the middle of the field, make sure that safety over top is always on Hawkinson and watching him and having a linebacker underneath him at all times. And kind of saying, trust my corners one-on-one on the outside, stop the run, smother Hawkinson. And I think you can start to build yourself up towards a pretty decent defensive performance here relative to what we've seen from the Chicago Bears. Like this has not been a defense that's put in, put together a strong four quarters performance. We've seen flashes of them putting it together, but every team has had some drives where it's fairly easy for them to march up and down the field. I think the Vikings offensive line has played fairly well this season, particularly in the, in the running game. I think they're getting better over time. So it's not like it's going to be a walk in the park there, but the bears need to be stout in there. I think, I think with the lack of trust in their receivers, I think you can get away with blitzing more too, right? Like they did last week against the commanders. Like, it's not like you got to leave guys back in coverage because you're worried about having two guys on Justin Jefferson. It's like, no, I can trust Jalen Johnson and, and Tyreek Stevenson one-on-one with, with Jordan Addison and maybe Nikhil Harry as their other outside receiver in this game. If Osborne's going to play more slot, like, They've got, I feel like I can trust those guys and then I can use the slots and the linebackers and the safeties to blitz a little bit more and make sure that Kirk Cousins is not too comfortable in the pocket because he's a guy that pressure really does disrupt him quite a bit. And if, but if he's got clean pockets all day, he can, he's a good enough quarterback to try and dice you up a little bit, even with Addison and Osborne and Nikhil Harry. Like, yes, Jefferson is huge for this offense, but Kirk Cousins is pretty good too. 
And you can't just say, oh, well, no Jefferson, no problem. You still got to be on top of everything, but make those wide receivers beat you. Don't let Hawkinson run all over you and, you know, keep the running game under control too. And I think you can start to put together enough of a defensive performance here that your offense can can keep up with the blitz and give you a, a nice clean path to victory then from there on out. A big factor is going to be who's available to go for the Bears, particularly in the secondary. We have a couple of guys limited at practice, so it's not really clear. Will they be ready to go or will they not? We got some more clear answers on what the running back situation looks like and likely the offensive line situation as well. We'll go through that and the matchups that the Bears need to win in order to win this game next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, the better way to do daily fantasy sports because Prize Picks puts you in complete control of whether you win or lose. Unlike other forms of daily fantasy sports, you know, those you make a lineup in that and then you're competing against a thousand other people's lineups and your lineup just has to be the one in a thousand that wins first place. You know, you know, it's not really up to you then whether you're right or wrong. But with prize picks, it's just you versus the house. They set projections for players, and you decide whether that player will perform above or below their prize picks projection. And you pick two to six players, and you can win up to 25 times your money every week. Like this week, Justin Fields' prize picks projection is 192.5 passing yards. He's been well above that last two weeks, so if you can include him as an above in your prize picks picks, and if he does it, you, you string together a couple of those and you're winning big in the better way to do daily fantasy sports. You got to check it out for yourself. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use our promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com promo code locked on NFL for that first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Now, we record this podcast before the Friday injury report comes out, so certainly there's one more day of, of answers here to give us a better sense of who might play on, on Sunday or not. But as of the Thursday injury report, we know that, that Jalen Johnson has said he's going to play. He was a full participant on Thursday after being limited on Wednesday, so we know he's good to go at one cornerback spot. Tyreek Stevenson, not on the injury report. He's, he's healthy, good to go. Terrell Smith, who has been filling in for Jalen Johnson, also full on the uh, full participation on the injury report. So he'll be good to go, likely as a backup then for Jalen Johnson. We know Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker is not on the injury report. He's good to go. So the two real questions in the secondary are Kyler Gordon and Eddie Jackson. Kyler Gordon is on injured reserve currently. He has activated his 21-day practice window and has practiced Wednesday and Thursday with the hand injury, but he's been limited in both practices. And it's not clear at this point, like, what that means. You know, if he were to play in this game, would he have a club? Like, would his hand be wrapped? Would he not be able to intercept passes very well then? Could he, would he have the faith to jam a receiver at the line of scrimmage with a club? You know, could he bat down a pass with a club hand? Is there confidence that that's not going to hurt or re-injure it? I mean, those are some of my questions about what's going on with his hand injury. But the fact that he's been limited for these two days is is progress from the not practicing at all he's been doing in the first four weeks of the season. And so... Does, I think to me, it's still kind of a toss-up as to whether he plays. And maybe Friday's injury report will give us a much better sense of that. If he's a full participant on Friday, then he's good to go. If he's limited again, then that means the hand is limiting more of what he can do. And it's a real question of whether you play him this week or not. You know, if, if there's ever a week where you don't need him as bad because Justin Jefferson's out, you know, I mean, it knocks their whole wide receiver depth down. So your matchup for your cornerbacks is a little bit easier across the board. Would you be more tempted to sit him 
this week before next week, just to get him closer to 100%. Greg Stroman had a nice interception against the Commanders. Like, he hasn't been terrible in that slot spot. So we'll see how that goes for him. And then Eddie Jackson, the foot injury that he's missed now three or four games with limited at practice also. And again, we don't really know what that means for Sunday. You know, I have not been a big fan of what Elijah Hicks has done in his spot, but again, you're going up against a, a much more limited Vikings passing offense without Justin Jefferson. I would much more want Eddie Jackson out there if Justin Jefferson was playing versus without him. Can you get away with Elijah Hicks again to make sure that Jackson can get closer to 100% for the following week and the rest of the season? So that those are kind of the two guys you'll be okay with, or you know, you're not going to be devastated without because the Vikings are injured, but guys you'd like to have back because clearly they're two of your best players on the back end in your secondary. A couple other injury notes. Khalil Herbert not participating. I'm sure he'll be ruled out for this game. Uh, Roshan Johnson not participating with the concussion. Likely not going to be able, able to go. Travis Homer, same thing with the hamstring. So it's likely just going to be Dante Foreman, Darrington Evans, and Kari Blasengame in the backfield. An interesting one, uh, Cole, Cole Komet is dealing with a hamstring injury and has been limited. That would be uh, certainly a loss given the production he's had in the last couple of games and you know, the threat he offers over the middle of the field, more so than what we've got from Robert Tanyan at this point. Mercedes Lewis, not much of a receiver, but I'm expecting a lot of him and more of that two tight end personnel. And then um, Equinemius St. Brown has not practiced with a hamstring injury. Kind of missed that one. I don't remember that one really popping up during the game last week, So, but not participating in practice likely then won't play at this point. So you're a little bit thinner at wide receiver. More of a role then for Tyler Scott as sort of the next next man up as a number three, right? It's more Mooney, Scott, and Valus Jones at this point is kind of what I'm expecting for your wide receiving core in this game. And then Trent Taylor, of course, gets some snaps in there as well as the punt returner who plays a little offense as well. So some injury questions there playing into this, this game, and we'll play into some of the key matchups as well. But I think one of the main spots I'm looking at here is the likes of Daniil Hunter and Marcus Davenport, the edge rushers, going up against Larry Borum. Like we know Borum's kind of the weak link on the offensive line right now, and that if you know if you're if they're going to blitz, right, you try and pick up the blitz, you're still going to have basically one-on-ones across the board, right? You, have a tight, you leave a tight end and a running back to stay in, so you have seven blockers to block maybe seven pass rushers. But that means all seven of those guys still have to win their blocks, and that means Larry Borum has to win his block. Otherwise, you know, if he gets beat right away, then it's still pressure on fields, even if you picked up the blitz correctly. So to me, that's going to be one of the really big matchups in this game is what Larry Borum is able to do in terms of trying to match up with not only the, the good edge rushers that the Vikings have, but also if additional blitzers are coming their way as well. I'm also curious to see how they match up Byron Murphy with DJ Moore in this game. You know, Byron Murphy ha- has some speed at 5'11", 190. I'm curious to see how those guys match up down the field, especially if they're going to be blitzing. You know, is Murphy going to be aggressive and trying to jump on that first route? And can you beat him on the double move and get behind him? I think that's one where we have a lot of faith in DJ Moore after the last two games that he's had that are huge. And eventually teams are going to start double teaming DJ Moore and trying to take him away. But the Vikings are not that team. The Vikings are the team that are just going to blitz and trust that their blitz is going to take DJ Moore away and that the guys back in coverage can just hold up just enough while the blitz gets home to make sure that DJ Moore doesn't eat you alive for 230 yards. But DJ Moore has done a lot of his damage after the catch this season. The fields can just get the ball into his hands quickly versus the blitz. The Bears should be able to make something happen. Same with Tyler Scott, though. You know, if the blitz is coming, dump it off to Scott and let him use his natural return man ability after the catch to make some guys miss. Maybe even Bayless Jones, too. Certainly Darnell Mooney can do that. Like, the Bears have speed and quickness here that Fields doesn't have to connect on a bunch of deep bombs. He shouldn't have to connect on a bunch of deep bombs. Those guys should be able to make plays after the catch if the blitz dictates that they can't get more of the deep shots off that they like to. But as we talked about in the opening, like there are still opportunities to get some of those deep shots away 
even if the team is going to come after you and blitz. Because that's the thing, too. The Vikings are not going to blitz every down. It might be 60% of your passing plays, which is a lot, but there's still 40% of those plays where it's a four-man rush, and you can still get your deep shots in then. You know, you got to be prepared for different options here, but expect the blitz and expect the ball to get to DJ more quickly and often. And also make sure you're helping Larry Borum out a bit if the Vikings blitz is going to come from that side. Certainly, Darnell Wright on the other side, too, as a rookie, they're going to blitz at him and try and challenge his protections and his knowledge, his understanding of who I'm supposed to pick up and who I'm supposed to pass off to somebody else. So those are the two main key matchups I look at that can dictate what the Chicago Bears need to do in order to win this game. Plus, Hawkinson versus, you know, Brisker and Edmonds and those guys working over the middle of the field. That's what I think it's going to take. If the Bears can do all that, there's a victory on Sunday. I still want them to prove to me that they can do that for four quarters. You know, they couldn't hold it up against the Broncos. They started to slip a little bit against the Commanders, too, and made it a little bit closer towards the end there than we would have liked. It felt like, oh, no, but then, you know, got things under control. So, like, that's good, but let's really see it. You know, let, let's see that confident performance against a division rival that knows you well, that's had some success against you. Like, I still need that to be proven to me, but there is certainly a path to victory. This is a as winnable of a game as the Bears have had in the last three weeks as well. Like, these are in the same line of, like, Broncos were a winnable game, Commanders were a winnable game, Vikings are a winnable game. The Bears are 1-1 one one in these winnable games so far <laughs> the last three weeks. So it's not to say like, that I think they're just in, instantly going to roll Minnesota either. Let's see it. Let's prove it. Let's get more of that progress moving forward. Whatever happens, you can be sure we'll break it all down for you right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Really appreciate you making your, us your first listen today and making us your first listen every day. We love our everydayers that are tuning in five days a week for your daily Chicago Bears fix and your daily opportunity to bear down.